0: all right so welcome back to the bandit show presented by the hoops audit um i'm your host mccoy lum and today we are very fortunate to have a former u-sport all-star cebl champion and vancouver bandits team captain alex campbell thanks for coming on the show man how you doing
1: i'm good brother good uh just you know kind of getting ready back for for work end of the summer yeah. which was a smooth summer all together to say the least and uh yeah i'm just happy to be back home with the kids and the family and stuff like that so uh everything is good though bro how are
0: you i'm good man it's uh yeah i know weather's good in vancouver um yeah nothing to complain about on my side um yeah no i'm I'm stoked to have you to have you on just so we can chop it up about hoops and you know really give the bandits fans an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better and hear your story like and your come up as a hooper in canada yes sir Yeah. So yeah, we're going to get into sort of your story during the show, but I just figure we should start by just asking you about your experience at the CEBL clash, right? So you just got back from Montreal and played in what was kind of like a, like an, like it was an all-star game. Right. Um, but like every team sent a bunch of representatives, you and you and your guy, Marlon Johnson got to go from, for Vancouver. You guys put on, you hit a bunch of threes. And I believe yeah. you, you, uh, had the game winning rebound and assist to Marlon. Right. And he had that, the little game winning jumper.
1: A little tap yeah, out. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so talk about two things, your experience at that game, as well as, you know, it was a big event, you know, there was over 5,000 tickets sold. So can you also talk about how the event showed how far basketball has really come in Canada, just based on the fanfare at that game?
1: Oh, well. I could tell you this. I think uh, the Quebec, well, Quebec City should and deserve a team out there. Mm. Um, some way, somehow, implement that into the CBL because the showcase game that they uh, put on was done. Um, it was a one from the staff down to the, the the players, and then obviously the players competed. Usually, all-star games, you know, you have guys kind of coasting through, but. Uh, you know, there were some incentives, mind I that, you know what I mean, what uh, made the game a little more interesting. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the environments, the arena, the fans, everything was was amazing, uh, top tier. So it was very fun environment, and uh, hopefully they continue and build off of it.
0: Yeah, no, that's unreal. Um, yeah, no, definitely Montreal and I guess Quebec with, I guess that Lou Dort, Chris Boucher influence. Yeah, they, yeah. they definitely got some there's some guys out there. Um, and yeah, the city, they seem to love, they seem to love hoops. Like even the, those, the, the Montreal Alliance games, like they're, they, they got a packed house every game, their fans love it. So no, it's dope to see. Yes, sir. Yeah. So we're going to get right to it. Okay. We want to talk about the bandit season. So you guys hosted the championship weekend and you guys had a bye to the final four and obviously that last game didn't go as you guys planned or would have hoped. So can you just take us through sort of what happened in that last game from your perspective and being in, being with the guys in the locker room?
1: So, I mean, we were, as you know, the end of the season, we kind of started gelling and uh, I th- I do think a large part in that was due to, we looked at the clock we said, you know what time it is, you know, like everyone has their situation going into September. Let's try to enjoy this. You know what I mean? It's been a, Messed-up season altogether, but let's try to really enjoy this and enjoy each other, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, this is our summer. So we started kind of doing more off-the-court things, just hanging out after practices in between and stuff like that, and the cohesiveness was just, you know, it was born there. We started gelling better on the court, and that that led us uh, to what? I think four out of five or three out of yeah. four out of our last couple of games. So we had the momentum going in, and then the game, it's the last game itself, we started off flat. Um, I do believe that long gap between our last game and and then uh this championship weekend did take uh pay its toll like you know what i mean at the end of the day with rust all yeah. these things are it's, it's natural for us to come out and we've been playing it's against your, uh, each other for the last what two weeks so then getting against uh, another team we came out a step slow but we were able to to rally it's not like halftime or anything we were down I just a couple of shots away from 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 going to the finals and then um so that fourth quarter comes elam we're up we have uh, a couple turnovers we hit a couple of threes whatnot we're going back and forth and then obviously on me i i end up with the last steal but then the last turnover leading to uh uh, the young boy steph coming down getting the uh, mismatch on ward and then and then the rest is obviously history so it's not how we wanted to go out but you know we we take positives from from uh from a rough summer and you know we gained brothers you know what i mean um we put on a show for the fans of, of, of uh, Vancouver. Obviously we couldn't bring it home for them, but um, hopefully we'll get them another opportunity uh, where we earn it during the season. And uh, we're able to hoist that trophy uh, trophy ourselves.
0: Yeah. So I just want to kind of ask about that slow start because that's something that's kind of happened in other games like this season for you guys, right? Where you guys come out like a little slow, like a little, I guess, hesitant, I would say. So, you know, like given all the momentum going into that last game and also you guys just being aware of, you know, like, like you said, what time it is, right? Like, yeah, yeah. how, like, how does that, like, how does that slow start happen? Like, cause I assume you guys have a lot of adrenaline. You guys are, are juiced up to go into that game, right? So how does that like flat start happen? Uh
1: And I, I can't tell you the game of basketball, obviously there's five guys out there, right? Yeah. So I can tell you in front of, uh, you know for all the fans out there it's just about not being on a string i like to use the five players on the court need to be on a string offensively but more even more importantly defensively and so if we're not then there's going to be holes in our defense there's going to be liabilities there's going to be opportunities for the other team and i think you know when it's demoralizing when you see the ball go in and it's obviously contagious when you see the ball i mean when, when you get stops yeah. you see what i'm saying so what we weren't doing was getting stops and Calgary, with all due respect, they're a good team. Good young team. Got a good young core and good young players and a great coach in Nelson. So um they had us against the ropes for a bit, but as I said, we were never panicked. Yeah. We kind of we kind of knew where we're aware that we were just kind of a step slow, whereas Calgary and the rest of the teams have been playing, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and they already got a game in or two. So it's just it's just that that game versus practice experience. The you know it's it's unmatched. You cannot Replicate a real game yeah. um, through practice, so I think it was just that a little bit of rust, and then um, and then uh, nerves. You never know. I can talk for me. I'm never <laughs> nervous. I love the moment, but then then again, we got a young group, so you know, you never know how guys are feeling going in and what guys got going on out. You know, outside of the the court. You know what I yeah. mean? In the forty minutes, so all of that comes into play, and I just think it was a compilation of things that I had to start off slow. You know what yeah, I mean? That's,
0: yeah, that's totally fair, and I think you mentioned something about taking away positives from this summer so yeah like given that you guys didn't have a season that you guys would have liked in terms of wins and losses but yeah. from your perspective can you what are some things that you can take away from the season that will make you a better pro a better leader a better person right moving forward
1: right I think it's just
0: staying, staying even kill
1: I'm uh I'm probably the most like in terms of yeah as you introduced me as captain and whatnot but I'm not the most vocal guy on the team, believe it or not. You know what I mean. So I'm, I'm the way I lead is kind of more by example. You see what I'm saying? I, 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 I kind of get directory from the from the coach and just try to be that extension, try to be that vessel from whatever the coach wants. Whether it's be closeouts, how to close out, uh, how to rotate, how to play the zone, how to you know gap, and I just try to do that to a T. So then everyone else, if they see Lex doing it, then it's like everyone follows suit, right? And so. That's what I think It's just about not getting too high, too low, just control the controllables and, and stay even killed from start to finish. And I feel like I could have done a better job earlier in the season um, just in, in terms of setting that example, you know what I mean, so that our lows don't get lower. Instead of, you know, our lows, we just – Kind of get back to even and just ride that wave throughout the season but obviously there were some dark times this summer brother where <laughs> i was like you know we were, were losing like five games in a row yeah. and you know what i mean the energy's just off so i just feel like learning how to be stay you know even kill ride the wave and don't get too high don't get too low
0: yeah no and that's yeah that's something that you can carry like throughout your entire career so that's no that's really good insight. Uh, and as, as in life, brother. As yeah, hundred percent. in life,
1: you know what I mean. When yeah. things don't go great, it's, it's not. It's never as bad as it seems, and yeah. when things are going good, it's never as good as it seems. So it's just yeah. about staying, staying level. You know?
0: Yeah. Sorry. I got you. Um. Yeah. So let's get into a bit of your your upbringing and backstory now. So, born and raised in Brampton, Ontario, um, in the GTA area as as a whole has produced a lot of NBA guys like Tyler Ennis, Corey Joseph, Tristan Thompson. And those guys are kind of all around your age range more or less, yep. So I just wanted to ask you, so like what's it what was it like growing up in that basketball culture and environment, especially during sort of the Vince Carter era?
1: Oh, what a time to be alive for sure. I actually played with Tyler little Tyler was on our he's a year younger than me, so i'm ninety three Tys ninety four, but he played on the Blue Branson Blue Devils. There's like club basketball. I don't know if they still do it actually. But it's OBAs, yeah, um, and uh, so yeah, we took we all played on the team. Brampton Blue Devils, Tristan was on the team all Um, and then it's just it's just a basketball hub for for the city. It was a great vibe, like OBAs provincials. Guys could tell you uh, Scarborough versus Brampton r- rivalries and all that stuff. Like it was just a great time. And then as you said, Vince was obviously Vince in in in, in, uh, in, the, in Toronto in TMAC, and T Mac and. All that stuff. So I, when I grew up, it was my mainly my grandma. Fun fact, my grandma's the one that kind of introduced me to basketball. My parents, typical Jamaican. So they like soccer and yeah. track and, you know, they're like all Donovan Bailey and all those guys. Yeah, yeah. But, like, but like my grandma was the ones Vince Carter, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, and the Jamaican accent, like, Vincent. So then that's where I felt, really fell in love with it. And Mo Peep and now Alvin Williams and all those boys. So, so that's you're just being a just being around the game at that time it was an exciting time for, uh, to grow up in the GTA. And, uh, those guys were definitely, uh, my idols growing up. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And how did that, that competitive atmosphere, I guess, inspire you to become a pro as well as de- like pushed you to develop your game at a young age?
1: Well, I just think seeing as, so we started off young, obviously OBAs and whatnot. And then, um, that we started doing the travel as we get older and like I say we yeah. because it's like not only the Brampton clubs but I'm talking about the Vaughns and the Mississauga's and the Scarborough's and everybody so everyone started growing older and then there was this travel team called CIA Bounce so like yeah. and then also Brampton Warriors so it was like different tra- different guys would just click up and and jump on those travel teams and we'll play over in the states so when those guys started doing that a couple guys you know actually made it to 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 Division one schools from, you know, guys that we grew up, we all grew up with. And so just seeing the opportunity that the game basketball gave these guys, then definitely uh, it gave me, it gave me hope. It gave me uh, something to motivate, you know what I mean? Something to look forward to and something that I could possibly do uh, to keep playing, right? And then so obviously for grades and academics and whatnot, I wasn't able to go to the States, but. I still knew that it's a real life uh, career path that you can choose playing basketball for money. Right. Yeah. And so when me just that was what my mind was set on and seeing Tristan go on to the NBA and Tyler go on to the NBA, then it's just like the door is wide open. It might not be the NBA, but I can definitely go provide for myself for me playing overseas and stuff like that. Right. And so that's when it became a real life realization like this is what I want to do. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's a perfect transition to go into your post-secondary career here so like you said like your grades weren't necessarily good enough to go to I guess div one or I think yeah. you've talked about before how it kind of prevented you from going uSport straight away right
1: yeah exactly I had to yeah. go to uh OCAA so ACAC is what they call it over here so I had to do two years at Niagara College even before I can go to e-sport, right so for all the kids out there, you know, sacrifice all the fun stuff and just get them grades because them grades are gonna get you in the door. Once you're in the door, it's strictly a ball, right? And so that's where they are at. That's where fun happens.
0: Yeah, and so being like obviously the OCAA isn't a league that people typically associate with producing high level pros, right? So, right. The fact that you were there and you weren't, and you were there because of your grades, like, how did you maximize your time there to be like okay? I know this isn't the best situation, but I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that I'm ready to make that jump to the youth sport level and eventually the pros.
1: Blocked out all the noise, blocked out. I just really locked in because I knew where I wanted to go. I was just like, I had this mindset where I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. So let me move accordingly to do everything in my power to get out as fast as I can. You know what I mean? And so when guys were going, the guys on my team, going to parties and stuff like that, I'm in the gym on a Friday You see what I'm saying? On a Saturday, focusing on my assignments, getting them in early so I can travel with all the stuff. You know what I mean? And just kind of being proactive rather than reactive. You know what I mean? Not waiting the last minute. And it's it's normal for these kids. You know, they they have so much freedom when they're living away from home and stuff like that. It's very easy to kind of get lost in the sauce or lost in the shuffle, I should say, when you're out, you know, living abroad for school. But like I just knew I was kind of. Destined for 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 bigger opportunities, right. I should say. You know what I mean? Than than the OCAA, and there's nothing wrong with the OCAA at all by any means. But I just knew I can perform at a higher level than uh, the ACAC OCAA, and also I was in a hurry to get out, get my grades, get out, and that's what I did.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like even though that you didn't necessarily plan on being there that long, it does sound like you it matured you in a lot of ways, right? In terms of a making you more proactive and appreciative of academics whereas maybe you weren't before as a high school student right and then also just yeah having that mentality of locking yourself in the gym and just getting that extra work in like yeah so i it sounds like you did a lot of development and growth internally there
1: yeah i think that's when you know little lex turning from a boy to a man you know what i mean (laughs) that's what happened
0: yeah that's dope and then so then after two years you move on to Windsor, right at the U sport level. Yeah. And so your first two years there, you're, you only start maybe five or six games each season. You're I, I, I assume in a lesser role coming off the bench. Yeah. And then in your third year, you make this huge jump to averaging over 20, a game leading scorer, U sport all-star. So during those first two years, when you weren't playing as much and had a smaller role, what were yeah. some things that you were doing from a developmental standpoint? To prepare yourself to have that breakout season in your third year as well as set yourself up for a successful pro career
1: well uh, i think it was just that last dance mentality right like I, I like i knew that it was my last year at the university of windsor my first two years i was kind of playing behind guys that were in their fifth years but those two years at niagara kind of messed up my whole trajectory of how fast i was gonna get you know get good right, right. and so at the end of the day my first year at Windsor was guys technically guys you know third years in university so they to be honest they were better than me to be like you know what i mean so i just knew that there were guys ahead of me that i had to kind of work on passing them and so that didn't happen overnight and my message to all the u sport athletes like coming in as rookies like you can't get frustrated that that stuff doesn't happen overnight there's a lot of stuff that you can't control there's guys there were there for um you know, leadership, they have different roles. I may be better than them, but they're more talkative. You know what I mean? They're right. more team oriented. They know the plays better. You know what I mean? They're they know the, you know, they don't they just a little bit more uh seasoned in terms yeah. of they've been there longer. And so I just paid my dues. I waited my turn. And in that last year, my coach, uh Coach Oliver, he actually went on his radical. So we had like an intern coach that year, and he let me rock, he put the ball <laughs> in my hands, <laughs> I said, let's go. And I went, and you know what I mean. The rest is history. Still, you're able to, to kind of overachieve that year.
0: Yeah, no, that's dope. And so you're like, you. I think you've told me in the past, like you were a shooter, right? And you still are a shooter, right? But you were getting a lot of buckets back at Windsor. So I gotta ask because when I bring my my friends to watch Bandits games, they always ask about your shooting form. (laughs) <laughs> so can can you give us a little backstory on how it came to be? Because you make shots you sh- you've you've shot what over forty percent for the bandits last season, right? So yeah, but but your shot, you know, it's it's a little unorthodox, right? It's a little it, you shoot it on the way down a little bit, right? You bring yeah, it back, yeah, your yeah. elbows are out, right? So how did that form come to be,
1: brother? I I I couldn't even tell you. It's just it's just a comfort thing. It's not like, and coaches try to fix my form all my life. You know what I mean? Like where it was like. Because I'm shooting that, like, here. Yeah. <laughs> it should be, you know, mechanically it's here. But I guess, like, you know, it's going in, they live with the results. It's a little wonky, and I know it. It's kind of unorthodox. But it, it I found it, it actually works in my favor because guys don't know when I'm going to shoot it. Like, you know, you just be here, and then yeah. all of a sudden it's up, right? And so, yeah. uh, yeah, how it came to be, McCoy, uh, I'm not sh- quite sure. It was just a comfort thing started shooting the ball like that. And now, you know, it's too late to stop for real. So no, it's, it's, that's it's, going it's up.
0: no, it's sick that you stuck with it. Even when coaches try <laughs> to change your shot. No, that's, that's dope. <laughs> right. If it's working, it's working, right? If
1: it's, working, if it's broke, don't fix it.
0: Yeah. So just to tie out your post-secondary career here. So I just wanted to let everyone know that you take a lot of pride in being a guy that made it successful as a pro without ever leaving Canada during your post-secondary career. So before we move on, I wanted to open it up to you to speak freely about why athletes don't necessarily have to move down to the U.S. to prep schools, to div one, to get opportunities to get paid playing basketball and have long, successful pro careers.
1: Uh, Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of walking examples of that. You know what I mean? Uh, And and bigger examples too, like, you know what I mean? Uh, Of just guys that, have the choice. I'm pretty sure you know. There's a couple guys that could have went D2, but then chose to, chose to stay home, get a, get their education, kind of established, um, graduate, have that in their back pocket, and then go on to play. You know, Thomas Kennedy is one that uh, stands out uh, to me because I actually seen Thomas Kennedy grow from yay to yay, and I'm just very proud that you know he actually stuck with it and did it out of a kid from Windsor. You know what I mean? Straight out of Windsor, and now he's top league Germany I believe making making the big bucks right and it's just about if you're good enough you will get recognized and basketball has the stage now where you know what I mean there's Europeans there's Americans there's G League whatever with eyes on Canadian basketball all of a sudden so it's just like you have the opportunity you have the opportunity and uh uh, another guy's Diego Mafia we we played with him this year and you could tell that he's already going to be a very good pro if he wants to continue playing basketball and it's like there's talent over here, uh, a tremendous talent. And it's just like with the new growth of can- can- Canadian basketball, it's not necessarily needed to go. Not to say it's not a good thing if you have that opportunity, but you, you can weigh it a bit because you can be a very good youth sports athlete here in your first year and then end up transferring or something and then just get lost in the shuffle. You end up coming back when you're about what, 22, 23, and then, because you, you know, the competition's higher. Whereas if you came, if you stood over here, you would have been a standout. You would have, you know, you get yourself an agent, and you're just an easy sell to overseas to Europe because it's respected now. It's not like your the film that they're watching is not respected; they respect it now, and that's the that's the main the main difference. Back in my day, yeah, I get I get it. If you have the opportunity, you kind of bettered on yourself and go to the states. But now with the growth of Canadian basketball. I do think that it's something to think about. something you should discuss with your family and your coaches and your loved ones, and really weigh the options in terms of whether it's uh, states or staying in Canada.
0: Yeah, that's a really good answer, and it's yeah, it's it's like like you said. There's a lot of guys, especially with having the CEBL now. We're getting to see all these U Sport guys right through the U Sport draft, and like it like a Diego Mafia, like a Thomas Kennedy. Right, they can. These guys are showcasing that they can play with guys that played in the G league, right? So it's, it's, it's been great sure. to see the, these eSport guys get these opportunities and parlay that into potentially very successful pro careers. Exactly. Yeah. So now let's talk about your pro career. So you start off playing in the NBLC, but you also had stops overseas, like in places like Finland and France. And those were your first experiences playing on pro teams outside of Canada. And given that people tell a lot of stories about how unpredictable overseas basketball can be at times, um, yep. can you describe to our viewers your experience playing in Europe from both a lifestyle as well as an on-court perspective?
1: Yeah. So uh when I when I finished, I was actually in Spain when I finished my okay. degree. So I finished my uh eligibility earlier than I did my 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 course right this the course i was taking in school a visual arts major and so i still had one year of school left after my eligibility there was no way i was staying at the university of windsor and just not finding a way to hoop right like i can't hope for the team but i'm still in windsor so that's why i did the windsor express thing and then finally um did that year and in the summer i got a job my first job was in spain and that's where i actually met Marlon Johnson you know yeah. I walk in the house and Marlon's there on the couch and I was bro whatever and Caleb Agata he's yeah. another youth sports guy straight from Ottawa making big bucks now right and so we're all there in the house and it's a culture shock obviously but I think having those guys there with me like it just we kind of all faced it together right like um just going to a grocery store you can't understand anything you know what I mean you don't even know how to get to the grocery store because everything's in Spanish right so it's like just those little things it's, it's it's tough and then obviously the game itself is, a, is it's a it's at a different it's at a different pace it's at a different speed it's more play-oriented sets and stuff like that whereas you know on this side of the border it's like skill those guys are definitely less skilled but i guess they're like i would say their uh iq just because they're so structured san antonio versus you know what i mean yeah. san antonio spreads versus the Clippers, like, you know what I mean? It's just less ISO versus more team structured ball. So I think overseas, Europe, European ball, that was kind of the biggest adjustment I had to make. Um, just learning how to play my role and being a star at your role. Um, because not always you're going to have the ball in your hands. They want the ball zipping around, moving. Um, and whereas, I was, obviously, you know, on this side of the border, so if you can break down a guy one-on-one then you're gonna then balls more more likely gonna be in your hands so I think that was a big adjustment and then um from Spain now came back played a little bit of Canadian basketball and um went back over to Finland where it's the same thing European style um I was playing point guard for the team so I did have the ball in my hands a little bit more I was able to kind of create and and and, and uh put up better stats or whatnot but um came back. And then after my last stint in Europe was, was uh in France, Pro B and same thing, culture shock, language barriers. Um, but it does help when you have a good coach. I can tell you that because if your coach speaks English, you're already one step ahead. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and, uh, just the whole experience itself though. It's something I feel like I hopefully all my young players under me that I'm coaching and training now get a taste of it because, um, it's 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 like a passport you know this game has allowed me to see look at the names i just named france spain finland see the world taiwan not to mention you know what i mean these are different things that i've got to experience through basketball so if you have the opportunity i definitely think you should do it and um but the basketball is an adjustment that's all i can say
0: and were you the type of guy you know because a lot of nba players you hear about them going to let's say, playing in Asia or Europe, and they never leave the house, right? They're, they're, they're scared to go out and explore the culture. So were you a guy that stayed inside, or did you get out and about?
1: Oh, I'm outside, brother. Let's go. I, I was, I'm not even – I don't own a system. I haven't owned a video game system in quite some years. So it's like, I don't know. When I'm out there, I'm, I'm definitely on my off days or in between after practice. Like, I'm finding the restaurants. I'm finding the excursions. I'm, I'm doing the stuff, like, because it's like I know I'm not going to be out here for long. So – I'm gonna really soak it up and, and get my content, you know what I mean, and and then and come back with a with just more worldly, you know what I mean, at the end yeah. of the day.
0: And was there any specific new food that you've that you tried during your time overseas that you're like, oh yeah, this is this I love this.
1: So in Spain, paella. Yeah. It's like it's like a rice dish and with the, the seafood and the, I don't know, I yeah. love that. And uh, I I haven't had it like that since. I've had it over here on this side of the border and it's nothing yeah. like the real yeah. thing, you know so
0: yeah. unreal all right so now moving on to your first season in the cebl you played for the saskatchewan rattlers and you were the team <clears> mvp <throat> and as well as you won the championship in the cebl that year so yeah. with all that success in saskatchewan what made you want to come out to bc and join the bandits
1: uh one thing coy is, is uh day day you know in the real world and i want to say this for uh for all the young professionals that are gonna step into this business, it's it's a business at the end of the day. So uh the stuff with the Saskatchewan Rattlers, we we won. We had a very good year the first year, and then um business gone way. I'll just put it at that. I don't know without <laughs> getting too too deep into things. And then um uh Kyle Julius is the one that kind of reached out. That's uh so I didn't play we won the first year, I did not play the bubble at all. Yeah. Uh actually that was the year I found out I was having a son. So Just kind of want to lock in. And I went overseas to Finland during uh, that year while my my, uh, lady was on mat leave uh, and then came back for his birth. But so then when I got back now, he was born. And then Kyle Julius hops on the phone. He's just like, I heard you just had a baby. We'd love the opportunity for you to come out here and try to, you know, help the bandits get to where we want to get to. And, you know, flu, like basically not flu, but we got in our car, we packed up the kids and we drove across from SAS to BC. <laughs> um, and then there's just been love ever since. Very family oriented organization. And and uh, so it's just a hand in glove fit. I always knew of Kyle Julius, but I, this was my first time actually uh, playing uh, for his organization. It wasn't the coaches yet, but um, yeah, so that's how kind of that happened. And in my next three years, I went on to play in a bandit's uniform.
0: And what's it been like playing for Kyle?
1: Uh, playing for Kyle, was, I feel like it was a it was a roller coaster of a summer. But at the end, we started kind of understanding each other a bit more. Uh, I'm not gonna say it was all peachy because I'd be a lie. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Kyle, he's, he's a he's a good guy. At the end of the day, He means well, and um, just playing for him is is, is definitely like uh, you got to be mentally tough. And I knew that going in. You, you I knew that going in and I think across Canada wide he has that he, he has that aura that everyone yeah. kinda knows what they're getting into. You know what I mean? If you're gonna play for him, you gotta, gotta put your hard hat on and, and 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 go to war every day, right? So yeah. I, I liked I enjoyed that that aspect of playing for Kyle and um as I said, bandits, head over heels, top tier uh organization and uh yeah, shout out to those guys from, from yeah. top down. Top down. Yeah.
0: It's funny because even though it wasn't all smooth with you and Kyle this year, it's listening to a bit of his story. You guys have a lot in common in terms of taking sort of an untraditional path to get to where you guys got to. Like you didn't go down to the States to become a pro and he also didn't go through that regular coaching path to get to where he is now. He did his own thing. So yeah, you guys are with hard nosed guys, know know how to work and you guys did it your own way. So I I think you guys yeah have a lot in common. I think I hope this will be like a long term thing because I, I like having you guys in the organization. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah talking about how it was a bit of a rocky season. So you were one of the team's top scorers the last two like the last two seasons for the bandits. This season, you had a bit of an inconsistent role, having a bunch of new guys on the team and you didn't start a lot of games and sometimes wouldn't even get into the game early on in the season, but eventually down the stretch of the season, you play your way back into a starting role and have pretty good success. So during those darker times in the, in the earlier in the season, how were you able to maintain a positive attitude, being the leader of the team, as well as stay confident in your own abilities for when you were called?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's just a bit of everything, you know, like obviously it weighs on you mentally, like what am I doing wrong? You start second guessing, like, you know, is this it for me? Is is my time up and stuff like that? But then you also just have to trust the work, like, you know what I mean? Although I'm here in Saskatoon as, you know, kind of coaching and playing and kind of on the fence, I know what the work, the work I put in. I'm in the gym every day and it's like staying ready so you don't have to get ready. And so I knew that when my number was called. I was gonna be ready, and just unfortunately, um, um, and for whatever reason, I I wouldn't know that something obviously within the staff and all this stuff like the plan, his game plan in his head, I just wasn't getting on the floor. So he didn't. I didn't let it consume me, nor did I let it kind of um, impact my 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 confidence. You know what I mean? And so I just stayed ready, and then when he called my number, it was it was like all right, Lex can do that. So then I think it just kind of grew my role and uh, consistency is key, obviously. And and uh, not only I was I shooting the ball, but then defensively, he would start putting me in positions like assignments and stuff like that to go guard the other teams, whatever. And so I think he just rode that wave until into the finals. And um, yeah, it's unfortunate and it is what it is like at the end of the day in terms of it not happening earlier. Which I think I I could have had the impact earlier on the season, but you know, as a player, you got to control the controllables and 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 uh, do what you can and just be ready when your number is called because you don't know when that will be and and uh, don't let it teeter your confidence. Un- inevitably, it will, but don't let it consume it. You know what I mean? And and just stay ready.
0: Yeah, and I wrote some articles about you guys early in the season, and one of the notes I consistently had was okay, Alex played 10 minutes this game, but in the third quarter or second quarter, he, in the, in the three minute stretch he had, saw him hit the floor, saw him crash the glass, saw him D up hard. So I could see like, even though you weren't getting the time, like you were still doing all the right things where I was, where it's like, I would never doubted that. Okay. we Alex isn't going to be able to contribute down the end of the season here. And sure enough, you, you found your way and I'm, I'm really happy that you got to have that success at the end of the season. I appreciate it, bro. And moving towards more of like a leadership question. So given that the CEBL, it's only a 20 game season. And we saw this season that there was a bunch of guys coming in and out of the team, right? Like roster changes all over the place. And guys coming in naturally have not only the team goal they want to achieve, but their own individual goals, right? So given that pressurized 20 game season, what's it like trying to get everyone on the same page to buy into the team concept?
1: it's 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 tough i could tell you that for sure and it's just because there's it's such a short time the cbl and it's tricky because obviously you go into the season knowing or hoping at least that this is going to be the 12 or 14 guys that i'm interchanging for the whole summer but then you also end up you know what i mean like <laughs> making how many transactions because it's summer anything can come up guys you know just get homesick or guys say you know this is too much on my body i'm just coming from a uh, a rigorous overseas uh training uh regiment. so i'm gonna need to rest my body in order to do that come again in september guys legit have those epiphanies during the season you know what i mean and yeah so that's where you just have to kind of be flexible in terms of playing style you got to be flexible in terms of rotations you got to be flexible until you and you know what i mean i think the best case you just have a bunch of guys stacked against each other that are that are ready Mentally ready and and because and you never know when your numbers gonna be called. And look at my situation, right? Yeah. And so just in terms of camaraderie wise, it's tough to gain that when every other week there's a roster turnover. And so I think a bit of that was uh, a testament to our record, you know what I mean? And we just couldn't never really gel um um like we were supposed to. But uh yeah, looking back on it, I think if we had probably just trusted the core of guys that you know what i mean that that, yeah. that we have and then it's kind of fill in if we're going to make changes or whatever uh just kind of that around the edges to, to strengthen or whatever the roster then i think we would have been in good place but i think we we had a lot a lot of major changes during the season in terms of like even a guy like uh shane gibson right like yeah uh, we, we we were thinking that you know we're coming in we're play around like you know what i mean yeah. and then boom then he's just he's gone One he's there one day and he's gone the next and it's it, in a 20 game season as you said it it gets very uh cutthroat so you just gotta you gotta just be ready come to work every day ready to work and and uh and just be ready for change and and be adaptable you know what i yeah. mean
0: and going off of like you said change so last season you guys you're like your front court was maxi esho and and uh brandon Gilbreth, right
1: uh, yeah, and you got you got a bits of TK in there, so right? Kinda... Yeah,
0: yeah. So those guys are completely different style of bigs that that you had this year, right? With Nick Ward and Georgie. So yeah, and the and G- Nick and Georgie they're like guys obviously coming from the G League, high pedigree guys. Right, not that it's a bad thing, but they they need their touches, right? They need their usage. So, what was that like playing in a system that was mostly like revolving around two bigs, right? Because that's not something that we typically see in in like the NBA or in modern basketball these days.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, even if you ask Kaiser, uh, Kyle, he he's gonna tell you it, it was uh, intentional. It was very intentional, and uh, just uh, trying to go against the grain, and you, knowing that CBL is is. is, is there's not a lot of uh, traditional two-man big sets, so was, we would have the matchup advantage. I think the idea about it was yeah. we would have on most nights we would have the the matchup advantage, which we did. Um, and so it's just about yeah, as in terms of touches and whatnot, it's just about fighting those guys, making sure our bigs eat, and then uh, the guards knocking down shots when we get the opportunity. So I think that was the balance. Uh, I do I did think it was successful in the end when we got full buy-in. Um, from the top down, but yeah, I think you know. Obviously, there's no regret, but if we can get that summer back with this group of guys, I, yeah. I think it would be. Different. I think it would be different for sure, because there was a, it was a very talented roster. It's probably the most I've been on in the CBL, to be honest.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I, I just wish you guys had like 10 more games. You know, like just right. To, yeah, right. Because you guys were <laughs> figuring it out. So now that you've been in your fourth CEBL season. You can tell from your first season that the level of talent in the league has really grown, and the product on the court is at an all-time high, and it's going to continue. It feels like to keep getting better. So, being a guy that's playing in it yourself, like, can you tell me why so many high-level pros um, are coming to the C-E-B- CEBL and like playing in the CEBL?
1: Well, as you said, I mean the talent level is is, is very high in CBL, yeah. believe it or not, and it's like. I, I've been over, even in France, like some of my teammates, they're hearing about it just through, to be honest, I don't even know how they're hearing about it. Just, I guess, yeah. through mutual friends or just the media stuff. So, I mean, it's definitely growing and the talent level is getting better yeah. <clears throat> summer by summer. Um, and that's a testament to, to, to Mike Morelli and those boys in office doing yeah. um, all the promotion stuff. And it's just drawing uh, people in. One thing I wanna say is that when you go to all these other leagues, the imp, like the locals are not as good as the locals in this league, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? so, so I think that's obviously very <clears throat> enticing for imports to come out because it's like a quality league. It's not like you're you're expending your summer playing against guys that don't know how to hoop, right?
0: Yeah. You're
1: coming out to Canada where <clears throat> some of the import I mean, some of the locals even are the like run their teams here, like you yeah. know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. in terms of Calgary, like if you go down the line, their best, their better players are the Canadian players. Yeah. And so, uh, just the, the young boys, my young boys, uh, you know what I mean. Shout out Calgary, but it's like, uh, that's where I think the league is 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 is, is um, special in in terms of that. Because if you go to a lot of these other leagues, they there's probably a one two. Uh, local that's that's quality, yeah. but the rest there's it, it a super gap in terms of drop off. Whereas here, one through ten, your Canadians are solid. Your Canadians are the imports in other leagues, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like your yeah. your locals are the imports in other leagues. So it's yeah, like,
0: exactly. Yeah.
1: So you you get you get basketball uh, quality basketball all, all the way around.
0: Yeah. No, and it's crazy because I was having a conversation with a buddy about the CEBL, and it's like. <clears throat> you have G league guys or guys with NBA experience coming over to the C E B L and probably thinking that they're just going to come out and dominate average 30, but not, it's not like that. And you can see like dudes and you, you can see them, they'll, they'll come in and they have this high pedigree, but then you can see, you look at the box score and you watch them and you're like, Oh, Yo, these guys are having a hard time out here. And then before you know it, they're out of the league. Right. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah, know it just, yeah. Like you said, it speaks to how high level or quality are that the Canadians are and as well as the league as a whole. So yeah, I know it's, it's been great. Yes, sir. Yeah, and yeah. So before before we we finish out here, I just want to ask you. So you talk about you know like you're a guy that's coaching now. Um, you have your your what, what it's uh, I guess uh, an academy out in Saskatchewan, Camp Campbell. Yes, sir. Um, so I just wanted to ask you. So what what's it been like, um, just giving back, and how did you get started with Camp Campbell?
1: Uh, I got started with Camp Campbell in, during COVID. uh it was just one of those things where you look around everything everyone's locked up cooped up in the house all the kids all the all the kids that were in um u sports and stuff like that are missing out on years or whatever so we had a gym out in sask where me and my uh my associate were like why don't we just start training kids out of here you know make a little money at the same time and then um give these these guys a place to hoop because we yeah. had the keys to the gym. Like, the owner of the gym, the gym's not there no more, but the owner of the gym was a friend of ours and he just gave yeah. us the keys. Early mornings, late nights, runs, whatever. So we just started kind of formulating uh, this plan to, like, all right, give back to the, the kids, especially during COVID. We didn't know yeah. when it was going to end, nothing. So it was just an opportunity for us to do it. And then once COVID ended now, it was, like, opportunity to legitimize what we initially started, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so we just kept that running and then just through that, um, I got hired as like the, a player development coach uh, yeah. for last season and mm. and then obviously for this season, hopefully, you know, the, 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 the position and it goes up, you know what I mean? Yeah. At the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. between me me yeah, you, you it has. So so um, yeah, it's just about building from ground up and giving kids, giving back Everything we're talking about here now, McCoy, just being able to have that opportunity to to shed that light on the university kids trying to go pro right now, you know what I mean? And that's my, I, I, I'm very passionate about that. I always wanted to do something yeah. basketball oriented when I finished playing, and so just my foot's in the door now, and I'm just trying to, you know, have a smooth uh, transition as I yeah. as I turn into an old man.
0: Yeah, and you know, given. <laughs> given given all your experience what's the biggest message that you try to pass these kids whether it be got people in elementary school all the way up into university or university or high school
1: so uh student athlete student yeah. first yeah. student first yeah. then athlete um another one is, is is obviously uh stay ready so you don't have to get ready because if you're good enough the opportunity will come and it's it, that shouldn't be the time where you're you're locking in yourself in the chamber yeah. and trying to get ready for this tryout or whatever. Yeah, Stay on it so that when it comes, you're ready. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, then, and I think that's the beauty in the, in, in, in the struggle, like the beauty in the process, I should say, because it's like you're putting in all this work for that one opportunity. And it's just like once you get that opportunity, you've got to make the most of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, then, and that's when things kind of compile and grow for you. You know what i mean as an individual as a basketball player as a person you know what i mean so yeah. it's just a matter about putting in the work and trusting the work you're putting in trust the work for yeah. sure
0: yeah and uh yeah no that's the perfect way here to sort of end off our segment about asking about your pro career and coaching and before we finish out here i just wanted to do some just some fun rapid fire questions for you I got three here
1: um let's get it, let's get it.
0: all right so First one, like I said, I'm a I'm a food guy, and I I know you're you're like you said you're a Jamaican Canadian, so I want to know one f- meal or food that reminds you of home.
1: Jerk chicken, jerk yeah. chicken, and chicken <laughs> <works>. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you're you're a jerk chicken guy over over oxtail or goat curry.
1: Yes, I am. okay. I, I, and the thing is, there's not a lot of restaurants out here, but I did go no. to one in, in White Rock the other day. Do you know what's okay? I'm talking about. Uh, no, and, I don't.
0: But yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, there's only that one, and I think there's one in Burnaby. So okay, that, I still need to hit that one up. But yeah, yep. I'm a big yep. jerk cooking guy.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, there's one that opened up in the last few years in Vancouver. It's called Baby Doll. So if, and there's also one on commercial as well near it called Rhythm and Spice. So those are the two the the two big ones that people go to. So yeah, if you ever have time, like go check it out. I'm sure it's not as good as in as in Ontario because I know you guys you guys pop off out there. But yeah, it'll hopefully yeah yeah okay and then so the next question okay you're canadian homegrown guy so who's your favorite canadian hooper of all time
1: of all time yeah who do i think is the best or who's my favorite how about both the i'm gonna the best We're. i was just talking to uh with malcolm the boys the other day about about this the best i think you have to give it to jamal or nash right like one yeah okay it. and yep. out of those two i'd probably give it to jamal because he has the ring you know okay I mean?
0: rings uh, over mvps
1: back to back MVP, mvp nash that nash, nash nash the second mvp wasn't valid i don't <laughs> <laughs> i feel like they, they, snubbed, uh, they snubbed a couple boys on that year right? yeah yeah
0: kobe Shaq. yeah okay uh, yeah but yeah.
1: uh yeah no it was either nash or jamal so i'm gonna give it to jamal and in terms of favorites i gotta go yeah. with wigs i gotta go with wigs you're
0: you're a wigs guy. Okay. You, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to lie to you, man. So my favorite, I got two, I got two, three favorite players. It goes Nash is, is the guy that I wanted to be like when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, then I was a big Jeremy Lin guy because you know, he's Chinese. You know, I'm still, I'm Chinese. Yeah. And it was, it was crazy to have him. And then, but Wiggins is all, I got my, I got a Minnesota Wiggins Jersey in my closet. I've he, he's been, I've been, I was telling everyone before he got to golden state, like, yo, just watch, like, He's gonna pop off and little yeah. and then he goes and wins finals, uh, almost wins finals MVP, wins a championship. So wh- why why were you such a, why are you such a big Wiggins guy? Because I know a lot of people aren't or weren't before he yeah. was in Golden State.
1: Yeah, and and I know why they're not. They're not high on him because he's a low motor guy. He's a yeah. low motor guy, right? Yeah. But he gets it done. Very talented. He's always been like that. That's one thing. Cause uh, so I have a younger brother. He's born 1995, same year yeah. as Andrew. So like growing up in uh, Brampton and then GTA, they would play against the, the Mississaugas and the Vaughns And you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. The whole prep, wor- not prep, rep. They call it rep. I don't know what they call it now, but it's like, like o- OBAs? OBAs? OBA's. OBA's, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you were uh, hip to OBA's, bro. But like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the OBA's and uh, the the whole pr- provincial scene. So Wiggs would be the kid, and I remember seeing Wiggs, and I'm like, this kid's going places, you know, from a, <laughs> young, age, yeah. bro. From a yeah. young age, he's there killing my bro in the age group, and my bro's team was pretty good, yeah. and so I just remember one time, I'm like, all right, let me actually keep this kid's stats, and I remember I kept yeah. this kid's stats during his <laughs> yeah. game, and it was like yeah. 60 and 30, and I'm like, yeah, this kid's out of here, bro, he's going, yeah. he's going to NBA for sure, yeah. so I just always been a fan of his and his dad, you know, yeah. good with his dad and stuff like that, and and he's just a good kid he's just a good kid so all the best to Wiggs.
0: yeah yeah i know it's it's funny cuz people like when he was in especially in minnesota people would be like yeah like Wiggs doesn't care he's low motor but you, you know, but then like i'd watch his interviews and everything i heard about him is like people in the organization like they love him like he's like an, he's like seems like a thoughtful guy seems like a respectful yeah. dude like comes from a big family seems like he he's he's been raised well so i'm like he he has. It's not that he doesn't. He's not trying. There's just something that maybe the situation that he's in isn't tapping into in Minnesota. So I had I believe that he he was gonna pop off in Golden State. So I'm no. It's it's dope to hear that you feel the same way because there were, there weren't many of us. There weren't many of us. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> not a lot. Like, of, not yeah. a lot on the back. It. Trust me. I'm <laughs> yeah. Already I'm already yeah. Dope. Okay. And then last question here. This oh, is gosh. more of a, I guess a introspective question for yourself. But throughout your career, you've been a high level pro at every stop. So with that in mind, if you were to give a 17, 18 year old, Alex Campbell advice on what it takes to be successful pro, what would it be?
1: 17, 18. Well, yeah, I would, I would definitely tell myself, lock in, young man, but that's obviously very big. Um, I would tell myself sacrifice because you know what I mean? If, what you do now will feed your family 10 years later down the road. If this is what you really want to do, I would lock. I would tell myself, lock in now, sacrifice now, because all this stuff you can do times 10, tenfold when you're older and you have money in your pocket. You know what I mean? So all the little things, all the the, the girls and, you know what I mean, the clothes and the, the music and all that, all that stuff that you kind of do when you're 17, 18 and stuff like you thinking you know it all. It's just like if I had to tell myself that earlier, then I would have locked in. I probably would have A made made more money playing basketball in in, in higher even leagues for longer for longer uh for longer duration of time. And uh I learned I learned that during my seasons playing pro, like as I went. Um and then, but if I had to tell my seventeen-year-old self that, I think I would be more prepared going into my first season in, you know, in Europe or or playing professional in general. And the last thing I would, I I just want to add on to that for anybody who doesn't know, if you are able to access your dual citizenship, if you are a young player playing in the Canada West or whatever, OCAA, whatever, it's 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 good to have that second passport if you can. You know what I mean? If you have that second nationality, because it helps you, um, gives you opportunity to make more money overseas. So I went to France with my Jamaican passport, as well as my Canadian passport. And because they don't have to, I'm not considered an import, I'm considered a continue, then they're able to pay you more rather than paying for your visa as an import, just a Canadian. So those two passports allowed me to be cheaper for them, therefore able to pay me more. If that makes sense, so yeah. that's something I'd also want to tell a young seventeen-year-old Lex. You know what
0: yeah. I mean? No, that's that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't think we could end the show better than that. So I just want to thank you for coming on today and sharing your story with us, as well as talking the game with us a little bit. So yeah. everyone, be sure to follow Alex on his IG basketball page, Camp Campbell Sask, uh, yes, where sir. he's doing some great work, training and educating and inspiring young hoopers. Um so everyone, be sure to give give him a follow. And Alex, yeah, thank you once again for coming on. It was a blast having you.
1: My guy McCoy, I see what you're doing. Just keep building, brother. I love yeah. it.
0: Appreciate you, man.